What's happening is a change in life, not a change in conduct, not a change in attitude or mindset, but an actual change in life, an actual born again. Well, welcome back again to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast. My name is Tim Chen, and today I am flying solo again. Christian is about to get married, so he is very busy with the finality of his wedding planning. And as mentioned before, the medical students are all on break, though they should be coming back soon. So hopefully we'll get our guests back on with us as we continue in this study of the parables of Jesus. Last time, I mentioned that we will be going over three specific parables, mainly because I thought it was interesting because they all had something to do with plants and sowing and seeds. And the first one that we went over last week was the one of the parable of the sower. And we realized that the sower went out to sow and what they were sowing was the word of God or even God himself. And this seed was planted in man's heart. And this seed had the ability to grow and produce fruit. However, what we saw last week was that our heart could actually limit how much the gospel could grow, how much fruit the Lord could bear. And this was a very sobering word because oftentimes we may think that God truly is all-powerful and no one can stop him from doing whatever he wants. And in one aspect, that is exactly true. But according to the parable, God purposely limits himself, awaiting our cooperation. And so the prayer that we had at the end of last week's podcast was that God would dig away all the rocks in our heart that he would deal with all the thorns in our heart so that our heart would be good soil, so that he could grow and his gospel could spread. Well, today we are moving on to the next podcast, and this is actually in John 12, 24. Now, when I read this parable, I would have to say in my many years of growing up in Sunday school, I don't remember very much about this parable at all. It feels like the Lord just kind of slipped this one right in there. And I guess because I hadn't heard it much, I really didn't have much thought about what it actually means. But now that I've had some time to read about this parable and have some time to read the verses and some of the cross verses, you could actually see that this thought has a lot to do with last week's thought. So I'm just going to go ahead and start reading this verse. This is John 12, 24. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, I'm going to give you maybe the easy understanding, but then I also want us to dig a little deeper about what the Lord is actually implying here. So if you read the chapter, the Lord follows up this verse concerning this matter of dying to oneself of not loving the world, so that in the future you would have eternal life. And that is definitely one interpretation of what's going on here. But the other interpretation has a lot to do with what is going on with God. So the first one has a lot to do with us, our need to die to ourselves so that we would follow the Lord. But the other side has to do with what is going on in God's heart. 
So again, let's read this verse and see what it implies. So the Lord is talking about himself. He said, the hour has come for the Son of God to be glorified. And he says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Now, obviously, that's talking about him, right? He said he has to go to the earth and die. So he is the grain of wheat. And he says that unless he dies, he will remain alone. Okay, and that actually is not that hard to understand. The Lord was known as the only begotten Son of God. So, ergo, the word only begotten means there's only one, right? He remains alone. But then the second part starts to happen. He said, but if I die, I will bear much fruit. Now think about that for a second. Let's think about it from the biological standpoint. If the Lord was a grain of wheat and he fell into the ground and died, what would come out? Right? So I don't know how many farmers are listening to this, but if I took a tomato seed and I planted it into the ground and it dies, what will come out? What is the fruit that will come out of a tomato seed? More tomatoes, right? Think about that again. A grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. What fruit should we be anticipating? We shouldn't be anticipating raspberries. We shouldn't be anticipating blueberries. We should be anticipating other wheat. Wheat that looks exactly like the original one that went into the ground. So what exactly is the Lord implying here? This matter of the Lord dying as a seed into the ground has a lot to do with him releasing his life. Think about that for a second. The Lord was God incarnate. He had the divine life in him, yet he was surrounded by, let's say, a human shell. But the moment he died and resurrected, that life was actually released. You can say that this was probably the sower went out to sow seed. It was his life being released. And when this life was released, it went into all the believers throughout time and throughout history. And then what happens? You know, we use this term a lot in John chapter 3 or throughout my Christian upbringing, this term born again. And what we mean by that is that we are born again Christian. We have a new beginning. But what does John 3 mean when it says born again? He means that you get a new life. Again, read John 3 again. The Lord says, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So what is he saying there? He's not just saying you get a new beginning. He's saying you get a new life. Or more directly, you get God's life. So you see what's happening here in John chapter 12, 24 is God is releasing his life into us believers. And when we are saved, we're not just having a new beginning. We're not just starting over, but we're actually born of a new life. We're actually, quote unquote, wheat seeds, just like he was. Now, again, I'm not saying we are God. I'm not saying we are objects of worship. I'm not saying we're in the Trinity with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. But what I am saying is when I say I am a son of God, I truly am because of the life that he has given me. Now, 
I want to tie this with some other verses in case you're not convinced yet. This is John 20:17. So this is when the Lord has just been resurrected. And he met Mary. And Mary was so surprised. She wanted to go cling to him. But Jesus said here in verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. What is the Lord implying there? He's implying that after he's been resurrected, God the Father is not just His Father anymore. He is actually our Father. He's not just the Lord's God anymore. He is our God. Do you see what's happening here? What's happening is a change in life. Not a change in conduct. Not a change in attitude or mindset. But an actual change in life. An actual born again. And this is so important because if we Christians continue to live our life as ones in the flesh but now just trying better, we are going to fail miserably because no one can live the life Jesus lived unless he has God's life in him. Another way to put it, there is no way a dog can ever live a human life. Even a baby, by the time he's a toddler, is more advanced than a dog. Now, why is that? It's because the baby has the human life. And with the human life comes the human nature. Now, let's flip that to what we're talking about here. There is no way a human being can live God's life. You think about that. How in the world can fleshly man ever live God's life? But I'll tell you what, one that's born of God, one that has God's life in him, That one now has the capability to live the same life that Jesus lived on the earth. Just look at the testimony of Peter. Peter was with the Lord for three and a half years, and he was no better off than he was before he met the Lord. Even at the end of John, he went back fishing. He was essentially giving up on that three and a half years he was with the Lord. But then look at the one who wrote 1st and 2nd Peter. And you cannot tell me that man is not different. He's not different because he got wiser or older or he became more of a well-studied person. No, he's different because the life of God that was in him had a chance to grow and mature. You can see that when he was walking on the earth, he was essentially the Lord Jesus on the earth again. And again, not to be worshipped, not to be in the Trinity, but he was representing God because he had God's life. He truly was God's quote, quote, brother, just like the Lord said here in John twenty seventeen. And this is so crucial because again, we as Christians, we cannot live the Christian life. We cannot be one with one another in the body of Christ without the Lord's life coursing through our bodies. Let me read another verse here. This is Hebrews 2.9. So here Paul the Apostle is affirming the same thing. He says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. 
For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, and bring many sons to glory, again, many sons, that's us, to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies, which is the Lord, and those who are being sanctified, which is us, all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. What does he mean? He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Paul the apostle, through the divine revelation, saw the exact same thing that Peter saw, that the Lord Jesus was speaking at that time, and that we and the Lord now all have the same source. We truly are his brothers, and he is not ashamed to call us brothers. I don't even know how to put this. I just want to say hallelujah. This is truly amazing. And if we see this, and if we experience this, this will revolutionize our Christian life. You can see that the Lord had the exact same burden throughout his entire ministry. It's not a burden of maybe proving people wrong, or maybe condemning people, or maybe just wanting to do the right thing, or help the poor, or feed the hungry. But the Lord's burden here is to show us that we all need God's life. From the matter of the sower winning out to sow, that is God sowing his life, his word, into our heart. To this matter of truly being born again because of what he went through. One aspect of him going to the cross was truly for our redemption in dealing with sin and freeing us from the world and allowing us to have redemption and forgiveness. The other aspect is seen here, and that's to release his life so that we as believers are not just only redeemed, but are also born again to receive his life. So you see, this week, when I read this, I just wanted our prayer to be, Lord, let me experience your life more. Lord, open my eyes to see that I truly have the Father that you have that I truly share the life that you have so that this week I would experience you and allow you to grow in me, allow you to spread in my heart, allow you to bear fruit in me, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. It truly is miraculous seeing how the Lord's parables all tie together. Well, that concludes this week's podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Next week, we are moving on to the third and final podcast in this series concerning the Lord and plants. I don't know how else to put it. We'll be going over John 15. And I hope you all have a blessed day.